This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. The legal information presented on In Legal Terms is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information conveyed does not create any type of attorney-client relationship. Please consult an attorney provider before making any decisions about your specific legal questions. From MPB Think Radio, this is In Legal Terms, the show all about you and your rights. I'm Liz Gill with Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. What do you know about drones? We're going to find out. We want to take your questions. We want to hear what these experts have to say. We are so glad. I'm Liz Gill. I'm with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. Hello, Professor Gershon. Good morning, Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. I'm, ex- I'm ex- really, really excited, excited about this show. show. Um, when I had the when honor of serving at the end of the law school, we learned from Congress that they were cutting an earmark uh, that, that, that really supported one of our great programs here. Uh, we had had uh, been one of the leaders in uh, air and space law for decades, uh, way ahead of, of any other law school in the United States. And uh, it was great for our university. And uh, when the earmark went from our NASA allocation, we knew that uh, – we had to struggle to keep our program going, and we were fortunate enough to get support from the university and from the law school faculty to start an LLM, uh, which is a master's of law program in air and space. Uh, we're the only one in the United States that does an air and space LLM, and that center's uh, now f- flourishing. And in fact, it's more than just an LLM program, and that's thanks in large part to Professor Michelle Hanlon and Charles Stotler, who has been on the show as well. And today we have... Michelle Hamlin, and we have Nestor Delgado, who is one of the LLM students. And welcome. It's great to have you both on the show. And uh, Professor Hamlin, would you tell us a little bit about your background? Yeah, thanks so much, Professor Gershon. Um, my, I have been in Mississippi, a, a proud new resident of Mississippi now for three years. Uh, I'm loving Oxford. I came down from uh, from Connecticut. Um, so we, you know, the Air and Space Law Program at Mississippi is really focused on the future, the future of technology, the future of humanity. And so we talk about things like really focused on drones because drones are really going to uh, – radically change the way we live from uh, deliveries in rural areas to deliveries of organs to hospitals to, you know, to being able to take really great pictures of, of your rafting trips and so forth. Um, and then, of course, we also look at space law um, and we're focused on how we turn uh, humanity into a truly spacefaring um, uh, species. And so, you know, a lot of people kind of uh, look at me funny when I talk about going to the moon and building a community in space, but really space is the future not because we want to leave Earth behind and, you know, we're done with this planet, but because what we learn out in space is really going to help us um, prepare or or return our planet to the pristine condition it was. So we want to move heavy industry off Earth. And also, we believe at the University of Mississippi that we can achieve peace through space because the universality of space um, indicates that, you know, reminds us that we're all humans together. And if you read anything from um, the astronauts, they, there's something called the overview effect, which says when you look back um, at Earth from space, you realize, you know, how, how small it is and how we have to share so much. And so um, we talk about space, um, but we really, what we're talking about is uh, bringing the world uh, closer together. And we're really proud to be able to do that for Mississippi. And um, I just wanted to 
uh, point out to Professor Gershon that uh, Nestor is is so impressive, but he's not an LLM student. He's just a he's just a lowly three L. So he has had these incredible accomplishments with respect to drone legislation in Mississippi. He's created a drone journal, a, a, a drone law and policy. He's a really one of our most accomplished students, and we're just delighted to be able to support him. And I apologize for that, but you know, Nestor, maybe that, that's in your future. You know, um, I, I, Nestor, tell, tell us a little bit about your background of why you got interested in drones. Sure. So, uh, I, for undergrad, I attended the University of Mississippi. I was in the Trent Lott uh, Leader Leadership Institute. So I studied public policy under the direction of Dr. Joseph Holland. He introduced me to the field of aerospace policy. Um, with having, you know, Stennis Space Center on the Gulf Coast, it's just such a huge part of um, the state of Mississippi and, you know, our economy and the work that we just do nationwide. And so in the work that I did uh, at the Public Policy Institute, I was naturally inclined to apply to the University of Mississippi School of Law uh, because of the Air and Space Law program. And so I met with, at the time, uh, Dr. Andrea Harrington, who was the director of the program prior and met with her and she was incredible and really uh, served as a catalyst for me to come. And then, you know, the moment uh, that I started at the law school, everyone was very welcoming, very inviting, uh, very empowering. And I had the opportunity uh, after my first year to be able to intern for Senator Roger Wicker when he was chairman for the Commerce Committee, and I actually attended a drone law conference uh, at a law firm in Washington, D.C., and I was absolutely blown away. Um, you know, just not only what's already been uh, accomplished in the field of drone law and technology, but also what's to come. And so uh, it kind of spurred this idea in my mind um, to reach out to Professor Hanlon and say, hey, you know, uh, a lot of these practitioners are saying that there's not a space for them to be able to, uh, you know, bring pieces of legal research uh, and writing uh, regarding drone technology. And so that was kind of, uh, the, I guess, the start of the idea for the Journal of Drone Law. Um, and yeah, the, it's, it's kind of just skyrocketed from there so it's been it's been great i've loved it well you, you know you're having a about the statewide and national impact and so is professor hanlon uh, she is the president and co-founder of for all moonkind uh can you tell us a little bit about that organization its goals Oh, absolutely. And thank you. Everyone calls it mankind. It's, it is moonkind, like the moon. We, got, we consider the moon the, uh, the cradle of our spacefaring future. So the, um, the, the concept of For All Moonkind is when you think about um, Neil Armstrong and you think about um, the, the incredible achievement, the incredible human achievement of landing on the moon, of putting humans on the moon, an achievement that started, I might add, right here in Mississippi with Stennis and the testing of the, of the Saturn rockets, we would not be have made it to the moon without Stennis, without Mississippi. And that's, that is something that um, you know, I take tremendous pride in as a Mississippi transplant. 
Um, but the, the thought of that boot print, um, it's not protected. None of the hardware on the moon is protected. And it's really a problem because we are going back and not just uh, the United States with Artemis sending the first woman to the moon and, and the next man, but China's going back. Private companies are going back. And so our, our heritage, our history on the moon is actually in jeopardy. And so For All Mankind is focused on getting the international uh, convention and treaty we need to make sure that heritage is protected. And again, the concept isn't just, oh, we got to protect our stuff. The concept is that these are human achievements that everybody needs to celebrate. Everybody in the world should celebrate. And so when you think about, um, we always compare um, the first uh, Homo sapien footprint, or the first time we stood up on two feet, um, in, it's in Laitole, Tanzania, against Neil Armstrong's boot print. That footprint in, in Tanzania is protected, and everyone, um, you know, it's, it's, it's shuttered. People can't touch it. That boot print is exposed to everything, including rovers and human tourists, and, and we just really need to protect it and share, remember to share that universal perspective of that human achievement, because we need that kind of collaboration to explore space um, as humanity, and we also need it to memorialize the work of um, all of the people who were instrumental in getting humans to the moon um, 50, 51 years ago. Our email address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. The laws that impact our, our drones in Mississippi, who makes these laws? We're going to help you find out who makes your laws. I've got a website for you next. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Grayson. You can now listen to the wild, weird, and wonderful stories of Mississippi with Mile Marker. Some of the big names that travel up and down the highways, obviously Elvis and Johnny Cash, and you have Jerry Lewis, Hall Perkins. Join me as we hit the roads of Mississippi on Mile Marker. Johnny Cash suggested that Paul write a song called Blue Suede Shoes that was all kind of created with Aaron Amory. You can listen by going to mpbonline.org slash radio or by using your favorite podcasting app. is in legal terms. Now, not everyone has a chance to listen to our show live. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show at mpbonline.org. It's also available on the MPB Public Media app, as are all our local shows. I'm Liz Gill. I'm here with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. Now, there's lots of different websites. One I found was the website Common Cause. Dot org slash 
find your representative with hyphens and ADDR. I'll have that link on the information page for this show. It's one way you can find out who your state senator and state representative are, your county supervisor and election commissioner. We realized how very important an election commissioner was back in the fall. And of course, the folks in Washington who are working for you. This morning, we're talking about the state and federal laws concerning drones with our guests, Michelle Hanlon, co-director of the Center for Air and Space Law and an instructor of aviation and space law and law student Nestor, let me say, did I get this right, Delegato. Well, it's great to have them both here. And, you know, the this is it, I, such an impact on uh, not just our state, but the nation, and, and so, so, so important. And I think people don't realize that we have these centers at the university, so I'm, I'm always happy when we get a chance to showcase some of the great centers that we have, uh, and this is one I'm almost most excited about, to be honest. Uh, so let's talk about some specific legislation related to drones. And uh, Would you all tell us a little bit about some of the initiatives the center's involved in with regards to, to drones? Absolutely. Um, so as previously mentioned in the last segment, um, last summer or two summers ago, whenever I was in Washington, D.C., we uh, created the idea for the Journal of Drone Law and Policy. And that's something that we have really uh, drawn 100 percent into uh, this past January. We were able to publish the very first issue of the Journal of Drone Law and Policy, which is the first law review uh, publication devoted to the study of legal and policy issues regarding the integration of unmanned uh, or uncrewed aircraft into the national airspace. Um, So the work that we did within that journal uh, catalyzed and influenced um, our desire to have a state Senator, state Senator Bryce Wiggins uh, introduce a piece of legislation that would establish just some, you know, very foundational yet critical uh, provisions regarding drone law in our state. Um, You know, as the political process works, it didn't work out this session, um, but we got a lot of positive feedback and we're uh, very excited for the future and what it holds. Uh, There were a lot of different stakeholders that gave a lot of feedback. So it just, it's, it's, uh, it's very exciting to know that so many people uh, are interested in this topic and it's exciting to see, you know, just, just what the future holds. And in addition to that, uh, another initiative that our center is involved with is the uh, Stennis space center. They have an area devoted uh, a drone zone, if you would like to call it that uh, where, you know, different organizations, companies can come in, and uh, test <clears throat> UAS. So we're working with them on that. And it's just been incredible. Um, overall, I think, you know, really beefing up our uh, drone uh, work within the center. And it's just, you know, this is only the beginning. So there's just, there's so much to come. Well, this is, this, no, it's really great. I, you know, when the center started, it was remote sensing air and space. That was really the grant. And, you know, in a lot of ways, Satellites, you think of remote sensing, but to some extent, drones are as well. I mean, how how would that legislation that you're looking at impact on, on Mississippians? I mean, this is Mississippi Public Broadcasting, and most of our listeners are here. So what impact will, will this have on our state? Sure. So, you know, establishing uh, rules and regulations within the state would just create new opportunities 
uh, for companies to come in and, you know, develop, really, really develop uh, innovative technologies. Um, We've seen in other states such as North Carolina and North Dakota, um, just a lot of companies are flocking to those states because they were, you know, they were kind of the first states that were able to tackle this issue head on. Um, And so companies like Scadio, we've seen in North Dakota, there has been a statewide, uh, essentially, what's the best way to put it, Um, air traffic control specific to drones that has been developed. And so uh, just different innovative companies and ideas have flocked to those uh, states that have that regulatory framework um, that's willing to work with them. And so it just creates so many new opportunities and especially Mississippi with the Delta, you know, it's so important for us to be able to create new opportunities in rural areas. Uh, You know, we hear so many different issues about healthcare and broadband and things like that. And drones, the utilization of drone technology would just be able to accelerate um, access to those different things. Um, and in addition, you know, in the work that we completed with in the Journal of Drone Law and Policy, we wanted to ensure that the privacy rights of, you know, property owners, homeowners uh, was protected. And so we, one instance that we saw occurring during, you know, at the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic was the utilization of what they called a pandemic drone which, uh, for lack of better words, is essentially a drone that is enabled with thermal technology. And it was being used to identify, uh, you know, whether people were sneezing, whether people were six feet apart, you know, different things that would indicate uh, potential symptoms of COVID. And there was quick backlash um, from organizations on both sides of the aisle. And so, Within that research, you know, we developed provisions that we believed would best uh, protect those privacy rights, specifically within the HIPAA privacy rule, you know, within health information, um, but also just creating, you know, a statewide public uh, media campaign we thought would be best from the attorney general. um, But, you know, of course, states can take it as they would like. Um, but just, you know, people need to be aware that drones aren't all bad. I feel like the way that the, you know, Hollywood media portrays it, they're, you know, these fighting robots. Uh, but in reality, you know, there are a lot, there's a lot of good that drones can do a lot of good. Yeah, this is, this is so great. I I think, um, it's something that, uh, we really need to know more about. So, and I'm so happy that we have, uh, you know, Nestor Delgado uh, has done so much research on this and Professor Hanlon, you know, I, so I understand that just recently in December of 2020, the FAA finally released final rules for remote ID and flying UAS over people. And maybe you could explain what UAS is as well. Um, and remote, remote ID is widely said to be essential to allow for drone industries growth. Um, so, uh, and that these new rules are poised to change the national aerospace and propeller industries in the future. Why, why is that important? What, what did the FDA, FAA actually do? I think FDA, because you said pandemic, but what, what about FAA? <laughs> 
So that, that's it. Yeah, these uh, these rules, which, by the way, Professor Gershon, uh, were about 470 pages long when you included all the comments and stuff. And so lawyers had a field day reading that. Right. Um, so think about think about drones. And what you're trying to do is you're taking a, a, an instrument, a platform um, flown by an individual, sometimes just a teenager, and you're integrating it into the national airspace really frightening. And we've all heard those stories about drones coming close to aircraft. Uh, I read a story that there was a drone that came close to an Apache uh, helicopter uh, that was on, on formation outside New York City. I mean, who the gall for somebody flying a drone to get next to one of these helicopters, which had to land um, because it, it was uh, it interfered with so badly. So what the FAA is trying to do is it wants to make the airspace safe but it wants to give drones the opportunity, the drone industry, the opportunity to grow. And so the rules before descent, the new rules came out were that you had to fly your drone within your line of sight um, only during the day and not over people. If you wanted to do anything other than that, you had to get a special waiver from the FAA, which could take months, as we all know. You know, And, and not, it's not to diss the FAA. They would get a lot of requests for waivers. It takes a long time to get through all that paperwork. So now the FAA is saying, hey, okay, we are going to ease those rules if you, um, if you put a, you must though, put a remote ID on your, air, on your drone, on your aircraft, your un, uncrewed um, air, air system, aviation system, aircraft system. So um, the, the remote ID um, actually sort of turned the tables on the concept of privacy because with the, the remote ID, they call it a digital license plate. And so the FAA and um, people who, who want to can follow that drone wherever it goes and can then um, figure out where, who is operating the drone, who is the certified operator of that drone. Um, so it puts more uh, responsibility and onus on the drone operator, but it also allows uh, for the FAA to take into, um, take safety into concern and to protect our crewed aircraft that are also flying above. Um, and so that those remote ID rules, um, important thing to note about them is they, it's not like tomorrow you have to have an ID on your drone. It's a, it's a three-year phasing system. So by 2023, um, every drone in the United States will have a remote ID of some sort on it. We've got a call on the line. We're going to go to Richard in Mabin, who's called in for In Legal Terms. Richard, thanks so much for calling in. What's your comment or question for our crew? And wildlife and uh, how noisy are they? I've never even seen a drone, but I know uh, I, one of the great things in living in a small community in Mississippi is it's quiet. But now, since 82 has been four-laned, there's this constant roar from the highway. Uh, and I don't want to just have another constant roar from drones. That's my comment and questions. So what about the noise? What, uh, what, uh, is there any kind of noise laws about drones, um, Michelle or Nestor? So apologies, I didn't hear the full question, but um, one thing that we're, we um, are are coming to terms with uh, right now in legal terms, let's see what I did there, is um, that the we're trying to figure out how we're going to regulate. And uh, Nestor has done a tremendous amount of research on state-by-state -state regulation because your federal regulation is really only looking at safety of the na national airspace. 
And so when we get things like nuisance or um, am I, uh, I'm, I'm hearing this noise, um, those right now, those questions are dealt with um, at a state level. And for the most part, unless a state has um, an actual uh law that says, you know, you have to meet certain noise requirements, then you're going to have to look at just your laws that already exist. So drones, just because drones are new doesn't mean that they also, that all other laws don't also apply to them. So if you're hearing something, then you're going to want to look at your uh, local laws regarding noise um, and noise nuisances like that. Thank you so much, Richard, for calling in. Now we want to go to John in Jackson. John, thank you so much for calling in to In Legal Terms. What's your comment or question? Um, thanks for taking my call. First, I listen to your show all the time. Um, I'm a drone pilot. I fly for my own business. And I also work in the news uh, across the state. And um, about what... I have never in my 30 years in the business encountered such resistance from the public who is not knowledgeable of what we're doing, why I'm doing it, and that I am legally qualified to do it. Just about daily that I get my drone in the air, I get resistance from somebody. And as much as we're forced to educate ourselves, there seems to be no process of educating the public uh, of our legal rights to fly drones. Can you comment on that? So I was, I was just, I, I, um, I had a little trouble hearing, but I, I did hear, I think that um, the, the concept of educating the public about the rights of the drone operator. Um, so that is something that's really important. And we've also seen um, that a lot of um, local uh, law enforcement don't understand the rights of the operators. Um, so we are working with an organization called CompTIA. Um, to create sort of manuals for law enforcement that will educate law enforcement about the rights of operators and what they can do and what they can't do. I mean, um, you know, let's let's just be honest. Our law enforcement don't have time to read 470 pages of federal regulations, um, but but we can help them. And the when you add to that the um, the benefits that drones can bring to law enforcement, um, then you know the sort of the synergies of educating and then utilizing are really strong. I don't know, Nestor, did you have something to add to that? I, I, I think that education is incredibly important with this topic. And, you know, as I mentioned previously, we have looked at developing a provision uh, that would create a public media statewide campaign that would educate the public on, yes, their rights, you know, the rights of operators uh, and just all the benefits of drone technology. Because I think that that's one of the biggest hindrances right now is uh, the public perception, which at times isn't the greatest. Well, and that's why we want to have this show. We want to tell you what uh, your rights are concerning the law. Email us with your questions, legalterms at mpbonline.org. We are talking about space law, drone laws, and how they impact us in Mississippi. If you would like to know more about our Mississippi lawmakers and what laws are being passed, I'm going to tell you how you can get more information next. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio.
Join us each week for Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. We have an IT expert, a computer repair ace, and we troubleshoot your problems on the phones as well. Everyday Tech, Wednesdays at 10 on MPB Think Radio. Download the podcast now or listen on YouTube on the MPB Think Radio channel. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Professor Richard Gershon is our expert host. I'm Liz Gill. We hope that you'll subscribe to our podcast. There's lots of different podcasting platforms out there. I happen to use Podcast Addict. I download it to my phone. I touch the plus. That takes me to the page to search for podcasts. Then I typed in In Legal Terms in the search area. It brought up In Legal Terms. I was able to touch the photo, then subscribe. I'm notified when any new episodes are loaded up. Now, if you go to legislature.ms.gov, you can look up legislation, calendars, even watch the Mississippi House floor and the Mississippi Senate floor live video. And next week, we're going to have from MPB News, Desiree Frazier, and she's going to update us on what's been going on on 2021 at our Capitol. But this morning, we are talking about drone legislation and space law with our guests, Michelle Hanlon, co-director of the Center for Air and Space Law and law student, Nestor Delgado. And we have a phone call. We are going to Edward in Brookhaven. Edward, thank you so much for calling in to In Legal Terms. What is your comment or question? Thank you for taking my call. Um, my question, uh, more of a comment, is, for one, I have a, a FCC license. It used to be that to fly a drone or any remote uh, UAV, you had to have an FCC license. For a while, the FAA was saying that if a drone weighed a certain amount of weight, I think it was under 250 grams, they were not going to need any registration. Can you talk or elaborate about that? What's going to happen to those of us who build our own drones and put our own vehicles in the air? Ooh, that's interesting, building your own drones and uh, putting your own vehicles in the air and having licenses based on weight. Experts, what uh, can you share with us about that? So um, it, is a, it is a great question, and I'm delighted to hear uh, that there's still such innovation in Mississippi that, that we have people building their own drones, and, and congratulations to you. That, that is something well beyond my capabilities. Um, the FAA, um, if you are building your own drone and flying it over your own property or in certain um, you know, FAA-designated areas to come, um, as long as you're doing it within the line of sight, and it's under 55 pounds, uh, 55, is it 55 pounds, Nestor? Um, then, then you are, you are fine, um, Edward. And the, 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 if you want to go beyond that line of sight, um, or over people or any of those things, you will need to get a waiver. Um, but you will also need, even with the, um, uh, home, homemade drones, the, um, you will need a remote ID, um, if you're over 55 pounds, um, in, in order to, to fly in the national airspace. Edward, did that help you with your question? It does. It just concerns me. The 55 pounds I agree with, line of sight, you know, for flying over your own property seems a little stringent. Well, he said the uh, 55 pounds he agrees with, but the, the line of sight was, uh, is hard to deal with. Indeed. Uh, and uh, I think that 
you can get a waiver. Um, you know, we would be happy if you want to um, email us here um, at uh, the Center for Air and Space Law. Um, you can find our, uh, if you go to our website, you can find my picture and email me. We would be delighted to help you figure out uh, the waiver process or if you actually need one or if there's a way we can have you operate that drone without needing a waiver. So um, again, you just go to the uh, Ole Miss Law website. Um, you find my picture, Michelle Hamlin. Shoot me an email and Nestor and I would be delighted to help Edward, I'm so proud of you, uh, you know, entering in this new era. Uh, we'll have uh, Michelle's information on our webpage along with her email and our webpage. And our email address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. We've got another call coming in. It's Paul from Hattiesburg. Paul, thank you so much for calling in to In Legal Terms. What's your comment or question when we're talking about drone and space law? Yes, thank you for including me. Thanks for taking my call. Um, so I'm curious about the in current state of um, invasion of privacy laws and what a recourse might be for a homeowner uh, like myself that, um, you know, we recently moved and um, I noticed or when I came home from work, my wife drew my attention to the presence of a drone that was hovering near our house. And I don't know if there are um, distance regulations and if those are transgressed, what would be the proper course of action? So what about a drone? Are there are there links requirements for having a drone? Do you have to keep away from someone's house too much, or can you just hover wherever you want with the drone? So at the moment, the way the laws are drafted, uh, drones are able uh, to fly above others, other property owners' homes. Uh, it, it is, I will say, it depends on a case-by-case basis, um, because the way that airspace is segmented um, at the moment, drone operation is intended for Class G airspace. Uh, so it would really depend on whether your home was next to an airport, next to what your state would consider to be a critical facility. Um, and that is one of the topics that we are attempting to address. It's just uh, such a nuanced topic, and, and it really depends on uh, what specific property we are talking about and in what proximity that property is uh, to either airports or other uh, critical facilities. Nestor or Michelle, do we do we own the space over our homes? So like if, if you go straight up into the air, when I took property law back, you know, with, with William Shakespeare, um, it was, uh, you know, you had all the space above your home, above your property was yours. So what uh, is that true now? Do we own that space? So the national airspace is federal. Um, there was a Supreme Court case which said, you know, it'd be ridiculous if um, uh, American Airlines had to, you know, phone each uh, homeowner and get permission to travel over. So 500 feet uh, above your air, uh, home and above is national airspace. The question is, is that period from like, you know, six foot to, to that 500 foot level, right? Um, and that's really when we talk about privacy, that's the area we're talking about. Um, and that's the area that the FAA doesn't care about. And so we're really looking at state laws with respect to that. And um, so the caller, um, the, you know, when you talk about, you're, you're not the first person and your wife's not the first one to worry about 
about a drone hovering near your house, um, there have been, uh, and I know Nestor's done a lot of work on this, there have been cases all over the country of people taking pictures um, and through hospital windows of drones coming up around apartments. There's even concerns about about um, corporate espionage using drones because you can send a drone up to the side of an office building and see like passwords being keyed in on computers and save that data for later. These are these are things that are right now dealt with um, only with existing privacy laws. This is what we find really exciting about space law and drone law. Um, it is, there's nothing there. And I, I, um, I tease my students a lot because your first year of law school is all about the books and what the law says and the case law. Then you get to me and space law and drone law. And I'm like, no, no, no there's no law. We're gonna, we are, it is your job. It is Nestor's job as the next generation of aviation lawyers to figure out what that law is gonna look like. And we are just so proud to be in Mississippi and Mississippi is taking the lead on these laws and on the, on promoting the drone industry and the space industry. And I mean, it's, it's a, it's a great, a great time to be a human and it's a great time to be a Mississippian. Well, we have got just a few minutes left to take your questions. I, I find this completely fascinating, and I'm so glad that we have our guests here who can call, who can respond to, you know, what the law is. Paul, it it depends. It all depends. Our email address where we'll forward your questions is legalterms at mpbonline.org. I've got one more website that is relevant to today's show. I'll share that one with you next. We're talking about drone and aeronautic law. This is In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advising firm and co-host of Money Talks. For over 10 years, Money Talks has been answering your personal financial questions and sharing knowledge about money management. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. Hi, it's Rachel Martin with Morning Edition. There comes a time when you've just got to let go of that old vehicle. Lots of great memories, but at this point, it is just taking up space. You could try to sell it, but that can be a hassle. So here's a thought. Let this station take it off your hands. Proceeds from the sale benefit this station, and you could get a tax break. Call today. Thanks. Donate your car, motorcycle, boat, or RV by going to mpbonline.org. Thanks for listening to MPB Think Radio and for being a part of In Legal Terms today. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show 
inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. It's also available on the MPB Public Media app, as are all our local shows. I'm Liz Gill. I'm here with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. At 11 a.m. Central on Tuesdays, following our show, you can hear Southern Remedy, Relatively Speaking, with Dr. Susan Buttress on MPB Think Radio. A lot of us are staying away from museums and, museums and such right now. But if you're interested in learning a little bit about space, Michelle, I just love a summary of human history on the moon. It's a great collection of color photographs and texts. text on the website forallmoonkind.org. We're talking with guests Michelle Hanlon, co-director of the Center for Air and Space Law and an instructor of aviation and space law, and law student Nestor Delgado. We've got a full bank of calls. We're going to see what we can get through. So first, let's go to uh, Bill in Macomb. Bill, thank you so much for calling into In Legal Terms. What's your comment or question for the show? Okay, I just had uh, an incident that happened with a friend of mine. It's probably been four years ago, and he lived way out in the country in Louisiana, a nice place and all, and his wife and child daughter was out in the pool swimming, and and he noticed a drone up up in the sky over his his house. And, well, he promptly got a shotgun and shot it down. A man shows up later with the police and all, and they took him to jail and all that stuff. And uh, the man that shot the drone down said, uh, maybe you all check this man's computer to see what's in his computer. It turns out the man was a pedophile, and they went to court, and the man got six years in prison. And the man that shot the drone down got set free. But that was just a crazy incident, wasn't it? Somebody was just a peeping Tom with a drone, and he got we went to uh, prison for six years uh, with all the stuff he had in his computer that exposed himself. But I thought I'd just add that because I'd had a drone. I'm scared to put it up in the air over my house. People might think I'm spying on them, so I don't even fool with it no more. Um, So there we go. Thanks, Bill. We appreciate you calling in. Uh, Yeah, I guess good people can have drones and bad people can have drones. Yeah, and that's just the the worst kind of story. And um, one of the things, you know, we, again, sort of thinking about how we're going to regulate that kind of behavior, you know, one way is for drone operators to take responsibility themselves and to share and educate the, uh, their, the neighborhood and um, people around them. Um, you know, there, there, again, there are so many things um, Nestor just touched on all of the great things that drones can do. Um, and, and so it would be a real shame if, you know, a, a peeping Tom, um, were, were to sort of thwart all of the benefits we could get from the industry. And, and I just want to add also that, you know, really smart to look at the computer because that is something that we really need to worry about. Everything we do um, in our lives today has some sort of cybersecurity component. And so you really need to think about what, when you have data like that, where it's going, where it's being stored. And there's a lot of data out there that's not, you know, peeping Tom, but um, it just, uh, that that's a really, thank you for bringing that up and, and sharing that story with us because it really, uh, hits home, um, you know, as, as with any technology, the good and the bad. All right. We're next going to go to Jordan, who's called in from Tupelo. Jordan, thank you so much for calling in to In Legal Terms. Yes. So I am a photographer and videographer out of Tupelo with Alexander Ariel, and I actually was um, a pilot at the University of Mississippi back in 2017 
I took the class to learn to become a drone pilot and got my FAA license. And within the four years of flying um, drones, it's incredible just the technology that has changed. And a lot of the business I do is in real estate and land properties for news channels. And I'm in between Alabama, Mississippi, and all over. But it's so interesting. I work with DGI technology, and it is so with geofencing and just the safety implications that are all in the technology, it's becoming a whole lot more safe for consumers to use drones. And with FAA licensing, there's so much uh, safety implications that are being implemented with um, just learning the rules, learning the laws, and it's just incredible to see where drones are going with the future and it's just so interesting to hear you guys talk about it this morning just want to thank you guys jordan i have a question what do you mean it's safer now for consumers to use it what what does safer mean so back in 2017 when i first started flying drones i bought just a drone you could get offline and you could fly it anywhere like there was just you could fly anywhere that you took it off like um, you could fly it near airports, you could fly it, you know, anywhere that you could take it up. Now, with geofencing and with technologies that are put in with DGI that I use, uh, with co- most consumer drones, um, with using GPS, they allow you to only fly in certain perimeters, being most like a height ceiling of 400 feet, and you can't fly near airports, um, you can't fly around um, jails, schools, there's all sorts of different, even the Natchez Trace Parkway and national parks, they have regulations on you can't fly there. Now, it's different if you have a drone that you build yourself. You're going to have more freedom to fly in different places. But with uh, most consumer drones, it's getting safer to fly um, for beginners and for experts. Thank you so much for that comment, Jordan. We appreciate uh, that experience. Um, uh, Michelle and Nestor, do you have any uh, comments about, uh, you know, uh, the build-it-yourself versus the consumer drones? So um, I, I apologize because I was only catching uh, bits and spurts of that. Um, I did I did hear um, the really good point that um, you know the the drone laws are really maturing, especially since 2017. Um, you know the the build yourself drones they still have to meet the requirements of the FAA um, and and be uh, registered with the FAA and and get the remote ID as needed. Um, and so again, the um, we you know love hearing about people who are building their own drones and um, really encourage you to reach out to us directly because we would love to work with you to help you figure out what you need from the FAA um, and what you need to do to to get waivers or whatever. Um, but but Nestor and I are are you know we're really committed to supporting the drone industry in Mississippi and we would be delighted to help you um, and, and and answer any questions offline. This is so fascinating that it's a community. The community is is building together, and this is at a point where there aren't laws. So you're working together with users, but also with uh, people who don't want their rights abused to to come up with uh, what should be going on. 
Oh, I was going to say, I think it, with technology, it's always a balance, right, between um, people and, and what the technology can do and, and privacy. And that's that's really one of the things we're really focused on um, at the Center for Air and Space Law is, is how do we protect that privacy um, in a world where a lot of people don't aren't even thinking about it, uh, uh, what, what they're giving away in terms of data. Right. I mean, every time we agree to download an app, there's no telling what we're giving away. And it is kind of a little bit chilling when you try to stream a video and it knows a little bit what you're searching for in the past. So uh, yeah, we've already done that, but um, so I, we don't have a lot of time and, and this is such a great conversation. And Richard, we don't back. have any time. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for our, our uh, experts to come in. Michelle, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, Michelle Hanlon, co-director of the Center for Air and Space Law and law student Nestor Delgado. We appreciate you birthing this uh, area of law and thank you so much for coming on our show today thank you so much for having us and please uh, feel free to email us um, anytime thank you Nestor thank you all right, that uh, wraps up for today's In Legal Terms. Our call screener has been Java Chapman. Jay White is a wizard. And so for Professor Richard Gershon, who hosts from the University of Mississippi School of Law, I'm Liz Gill. Join us next Tuesday at 10 a.m. for In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.